Oh, boy, I remember the very last things he said to me. I was backing out of the parking lot of Arnold's for the last time. The Fonz look at me and he said, Don't run over my motorcycle! Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Warning, warning. Today's episode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode. Thank you. What kind of a sick school is this? Uh oh, don't go! The plane! The plane! Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. You got spunk. I hate spunk. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Oh, righty then. How you doing? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Say hello to my little friend. I love to celebrate come in the morning. What are you people? On dope? Stop whining. I got a crap on deck that can choke a donkey. Hey! Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Can I do that? I'll be back. A dynamite! Show me the money! Don't! Up your nose when you have a hole. A what? I'm sailing! I'm sailing! Groovy. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it. Pull it down. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Here's looking at you, kid. We got no food, we got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off! Go to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. Hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey! I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We're on a mission from God. Hello. 
Hello and welcome to another wonderful episode of Then Is Now podcast. I am your host, Rigor. Since I started the show, I've been talking about pop culture that is disappearing from our collective consciousness. One of my go-to lines has always been that people should know who Fonzie is. Arthur Fonzarelli, aka The Fonz, was a huge part of our pop culture for several decades. But if you ask a kid today who Fonzie is, they don't know. And that's very sad. Fonzie was a character on the famous sitcom Happy Days and remains as one of the coolest characters on TV. People should know who Fonzie is, and you don't have to have watched all the episodes of Happy Days, but you should at least be familiar with the show and the character. On today's show, we have another crossover with another podcast. This one is called These Days Are Ours, and the hosts break down each episode of Happy Days on each show. So if you fondly remember Happy Days and know what I'm talking about, or if you don't know what I'm talking about, sit back and you'll learn something cool. Whoa. Class is in session. I have a bad feeling about this. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Food fight! Hey, you in my class? I am today. I think you should consider transferring to shop class. Woo woo! Now, now, very few students are severely injured in shop class. Bueller. When you were in school. Bueller. Did you ever cut class? Bueller. Yeah, I guess I did. Sure, most kids cut classes. Good, sign this. Um, he's sick. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance oh. bell ring and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, so. You lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades or gold stars or demerits. We're gonna have recess all the time. Woo! Go, play and have fun now! Okay, folks, we've got another great treat in store for you today. As I mentioned in my earlier intro, we are going to discuss a classic TV sitcom that was a huge part of our pop culture for several decades and is something that you should at least be familiar with. Happy days. Joining me today are Joe and Peter, who are the hosts of These Days Are Ours, a podcast in which they discuss all 255 episodes of Happy Days. Welcome to the show, guys. Great to be here. Oh, yeah. This is going to be fun. And may I just say that... uh Saying that Happy Days has 255 episodes really puts the whole thing in perspective in a way that I had not before. Like, <laughs> like, I, like I was just thinking about it as 11 seasons, but yeah, 255 episodes. Oh yeah, it's it's the myth of Sisyphus here. We are just pushing that boulder uphill for years and years. That's amazing. <laughs> so, That's so amazing. And they did 11 seasons in 10 years. How did that happen? Well, the first season is actually like a half season. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they started in January of 1974 as a regular show. So it's like, um, it's basically like 10 and a half seasons. Right, right. And then the show ran pretty late into 1984, apparently because uh, there was episodes that got preempted because of the Olympics in 1984. Oh. And so they took those episodes that were supposed to run during the Olympics, and then they ran them during the summer of 1984. So well into late late into 1984 they were still doing happy days okay that makes sense so first off i'm gonna have to admit to you guys that due to my boston accent i've had a hard time verbally telling people about your show it comes out as these days are ours. <laughs> <laughs> so, well i mean i used to read the oz books by l frank Baum. there you so, go <laughs> yeah we could do that. we could change it um well like when the scarecrow well, showed up at the cunninghams <laughs> At Oz, yeah, Oz and Oz. It would be very, very difficult. I, I will say, I will take the blame for the title of the podcast. We were brainstorming a whole bunch of them. I think, Peter, I, th I sent you a list 
like a long time ago of possible titles, and I think we settled on these days or yeah. ours. Yeah, it's it's memorable. It conveys what the show is about. It's a line from the theme song. It's catchy. Yeah, it is. You know, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I I was gonna say I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It, it captures um, you know, it captures a lot of what the show is about, and. I didn't know at the time there was, I think, right after us, uh, another Happy Days podcast started up. And that one, I think, is called Rockin' All Week with You. Okay. So there's now two Happy Days podcasts, at least, and maybe maybe more. Maybe now we've started a trend. Oh, there so, you go. Well, there's a ton of them out there. Everybody's <laughs> covering Happy Days. Wow. That's cool. So for those listeners who don't know, Happy Days is an American TV sitcom that aired first run from January 15th, 1974 as Joe mentioned, to September 24th, 1984 on the ABC network with a total of 255 half-hour episodes spanning over 11 seasons. It was created by Gary Marshall, uh, and the series presented an idealized version of life in the mid-50s to the mid-60s in Midwestern United States, which starred Ron Howard as teenager Richie Cunningham, Henry Winkler as his friend Fonzie, and Tom Bosley and Marion Ross as Richie's parents Howard and Marion Cunningham. Happy Days became one of the biggest hits in television history and heavily influenced the television style of its time. Now, I watched this growing up, not only the first run episodes, but also the reruns and syndication, so a lot of it is just burned into my brain. And as I mentioned uh, you know, off mic, I was preparing for our show today and I tried to watch as many episodes as I could and I was able to binge the first two season seasons and then watch key episodes in subsequent seasons. And one of the reasons I created Then Is Now was because when my son was born, I felt the need to bring him up to speed on all the cool stuff that he missed out, th- missed out on. And both my son and my daughter have not only benefited from that by being able to get most of the references that the teachers would make, but they also grew up knowing cool things like who Fonzie was. And now my four-year-old grandson was watching it when I was watching it, and he told me he liked the show, and he does the Fonzie with the thumbs up and the A. So it's great to pass this on to the next generation, you know? Well, yeah. I, I mostly grew up with the show in syndicated uh, reruns, and that's how I first saw most of it. I think, I, w- I mean, I was around to see the last few seasons as they were airing, you know, live for the first time, but I mostly saw the show through reruns and yeah it's it was such a key part of american popular culture in the 1970s that for sure the next generation needs to know you know about richie and fonzie and the next generation needs to know ralph malf and potsy weber because you know where are they going to be without those in, those key role models in their lives exactly <laughs> yeah yeah and the way i came to happy days was that uh i was in college i was somewhat depressed i was kind of and I sort of became obsessed with... I, I watched the first season on a whim, and I sort of became obsessed with it for reasons that I don't entirely understand. I think I, I think I might have been working through some gender issues with Richie Cunningham. <laughs> there was definitely some kind of confused desire to wear all of his clothes that I initially mistook for a crush, but no, no, I, I just wanted to wear all his clothes. Well, Richie does have a sense of style. Yeah. And the clothes are actually a big part of the reason why the show exists in the first place. Uh, the TV executives, uh, Michael Eisner and Tom Miller, wanted a nostalgia show because they said that uh, one of the things that kills shows and reruns is that the clothes look dated and, you know, clothes go out of style. So they they were like, well, why don't we just do a whole nostalgia show where the outfits are from, you know, 
15, 20 years ago, that way the show always looks fresh. And that's how Happy Days came to be. It was, they had their eye on the reruns right from the beginning. Interesting, so. interesting. And I had heard too that um, the, the original concept, they were going to call the show Cool and they were going to set it in the 1920s. But then Gary Marshall was like, well, I grew up in the 50s. Why don't we make it the 50s? Right, right. Uh, the, the show went through a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of formative processes, you know, where they, they changed it around a lot. Originally, you know, Tom Miller and uh, Michael Eisner wanted it to be based on a show called uh, I Remember Mama. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, ab- about like a, a Swedish family, I think. It was like, like a Swedish-American family where Dick Van Patten played Nels. And they took it to Gary Marshall. And I think Gary's quote was something along the lines of, I don't know from Swedish people. I don't know about any of that. What I know is the 50s, you know. And so he wrote it like it was the 50s uh, because that's what he knew. Right. He couldn't put his mind, you know. But there is some 20s nostalgia on the show. Uh, yep. we, there's, a, there's a Roaring 20s episode. Yep. And uh, some of the characters are said to have grown up in the 20s. So um, Yeah. Uh, Howard and Marion reference stuff like Stutz Bearcats. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And... Um, Al Del Vecchio, the local restaurateur, yeah. he has some 20s uh, gear. You know, he wears, like, occasional, like, 20s hats and stuff like that. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, he would dress sometimes like a, like a 1920s college kid with, like, the long raccoon coat and the straw hat. He'll, he'll bring that stuff out occasionally. So there is an element of 20s nostalgia, but uh, they drop the Swedish stuff entirely. Yeah. And, <laughs> But uh, yeah, cool was one of the titles. Um, the new family in town is something that you hear is one of the titles. Huh. But I, there's no version of it where the Cunninghams are the new family in town. But that was apparently one of the uh, working titles as well. Right, right. It's a metaphor. The town is television. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess they are the new family in town. Television is the new thing in town. Right. Well, the very earliest. <laughs> The earliest pilot is about television and getting a television set and what a big deal that is for the Cunninghams. That's right. That's right. So how did you guys come up with the concept for doing a podcast about Happy Days? That was Peter entirely. Um, Peter was, I think, I think you were like tweeting about the show quite a lot because you were, as you were going through it, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was watching it for the first time. I was tweeting about it a whole lot and eventually, and you know, not a lot of people are, are watch were watching Happy Days at the time, and I kind of just really wanted someone to talk about it with. So and I, I yeah, I was one of the few people who actually was familiar with Happy Days. Or I think at that time your your Twitter avatar was Richie in like a sparkly <laughs> jacket or something. Yes, from the from the episode uh, "Give Give the Band a Hand," where Fonzie uh, joined Richie's band as the bongo player. That's right. <laughs> Which, uh, God bless them, they just aired that episode a couple of days ago on MeTV. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm so glad that MeTV is airing Happy Days because, what, you know, a lot of the, uh, the people that uh, find out about our show, it's because they're looking for things uh, related to Happy Days because they see it on MeTV and then they want to know more about the show. So some people find our episodes that way, so... That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, one thing I love about your show is that it, it's high energy. I feel like sometimes after I listen to one, I have to take a breath. <laughs> but I, I like well, how... Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. 
we psych ourselves up, don't we, Peter? We, we, we get like super hyped up like right before every episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's happy days. It's not morose days. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's happy is right there in the title. So, And I, I love how... To get... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I love how you guys not only break down the episodes with the, by the plot and the actors, but you also go into details about any references in the show, and you also play clips from it, as well as, as random clips from other things that kind of relate to what you're talking about. In fact, I was listening to one the other day, and you were playing um, One-Eyed, One-Horned, Flying Purple People, and I couldn't get that out of my head the rest of the day. <laughs> well, yeah, you know... Uh... Happy Days itself was like super reference heavy in the first couple of seasons. Uh, they, you know, every, you know, they're trying to work in like 50s slang or 50s references into every sentence and every conversation. And that eventually slows down over the course of 11 years because I think the writers just got sick of doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like, yeah. Oh, you know, do we have to write in 50 stuff every week? Do we have to like have them, you know, hula hooping and watching the Ed Sullivan show and wearing poodle skirts and they get sick of doing that. Yeah. So they kind of By the time we get to the early sixties it it becomes a lot more perfunctory. But you still sometimes sometimes get episodes like uh Joni and Chachi having to resist pressure to become folk singers because that's bigger than rock and roll well that was the scene that I that episode kind of fulfills one of my dreams that I really wanted for the show to to be an episode that I really wanted to have happen was where Fonzie walks into Arnold's and he hears Tom Dooley by the Kingston trio playing on the jukebox. And he's like, what in the hell is this? (laughs) And he goes, and so that's the scene I wanted. And in that episode, who gives a hoot nanny pretty much that happens where he comes into Arnold's and it's not a party atmosphere. Everybody's sitting around listening to folk music and it's like a somber <laughs> atmosphere and he like goes into the jukebox and he throws out all the records <laughs> and I was like, so yeah that episode is one that i really loved uh it's a later episode uh, who gives a hoot nanny because it's what i wanted because i can only imagine what it was like for fonzie the first time he heard tom dooley by the by the kingston trailer he would then like what in the hell is this? Because it's like the future. <laughs> like the 60s are coming, right. and he's not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Right. I was watching one. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I was watching one today where they, um, uh, Al referenced, um, I think he was on the phone trying to book a band. It was either Al or Arnold. Oh, I think Arnold. it was Arnold. And, it, and then he says, um, oh, of course. Bob Dylan. Bob yeah. D- yeah, Bob Dylan. Who's that? No, we don't need him. <laughs> Well, you know, in the this the first couple of seasons are supposed to take place in the fifties, but they reference sixties stuff all the time. Like they they talk about Sound of Music, which I guess is late fifty nine. They go to uh, see Psycho, uh, which is from nineteen sixty. Right. Yep. In the episode that we talked about today, uh, Marion is reading uh, the Feminine Mystique, which is from nineteen sixty three. So continuity and historical accuracy is very loose on Happy Days. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. Happy Days does not accurately represent the 1950s. It it accurately represents what people think of the 1950s. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's a big melange. It's a big salad of 50s and 60s references. Right. Right. But but, you know, part of the thing in our podcast is this is just the terrible way that I watch movies and TV shows. Is I'm one of those people who's always like pausing the picture and zooming in and like what can I see in the background. Uh, and it gets, and, and Peter will attest to this, 
it gets to ridiculous lengths in our show because I became obsessed with the fact that um, the Cunninghams have Quaker instant oatmeal in their right. kitchen, and there wasn't there wasn't instant oatmeal until 1966. Oh, gee. And then there's a couple of episodes. <laughs> there's a couple of episodes That's where funny. they have Quaker instant oatmeal, and so. I'm now, so in, in one of our more recent episodes, I think we actually put in a, a Quaker Instant Oatmeal commercial, and <laughs> it's, that's, that's just the way I watch stuff. Um, it helps nice. sometimes, like, to win trivia contests, but <laughs> it can be a bad way to watch TV shows. That's hilarious. Well, speaking of trivia, I, I'm doing a first here on the show. I've come up with a quiz from when I was watching the episodes, and I have a feeling you guys are going to pass 100%. It was stuff that I noticed. Um, in watching the show. So, are you guys ready? Yeah. Ready. Okay, it's only 10 questions. Um, what type of meat is like kryptonite to Fonzie? Liver. Liver. Very good. Very good. Uh, these are all going to be easy ones. Why is Warren Weber called Potsy? Because when he was in kindergarten, he used to make little clay pots. Excellent, excellent. So, now, Fonzie didn't talk much in the first season, and in episode one, All the Way, what was his very first line of the series? Oh, wow. Oh, oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Something like, where's Ralph Malf or something? I don't know. He, uh, he has the first line. I'll give you, yeah. What, what is it? I'll give, you the, I'll give you a hint. It was when Richard, um, it's the one where Richie makes, well, he doesn't make, but everyone believes that he went to third base with this girl and he didn't. So he goes around apologizing to everyone and he apologizes yeah. to Fonzie and says, yeah, we just played chess. You played with a chess? That's right. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> All right. In season two, when Joni goes on her first date, uh, Howard asks her how she met this boy. What is her answer? I don't remember. Does she get meet him through junior chipmunks or something? Oh, Peter, uh, how we? W- w- would this have been uh, not with my sister? You don't. Uh, oh well. It, it, I believe so. If yeah. it's not with my sister, you don't. That's uh, her first date. Is her first date with Spike? I think so. Spike. Yes, that's the bonus question. But what did she say? Um, what was her answer when Howard said, how did you meet him? Uh, Detention? I don't know. <laughs> All right, I'll give you the answer. He threw a water bomb at her. Oh. <laughs> you see, the thing is, after you review five seasons of this, all the episodes just run together. Right, mm-hmm. right. So here's part of the bonus question for this one. Um, Spike's, Spike, what is Spike's real name? Like, Spike is his nickname, so what's his actual name? Raymond Fonzarelli. There you go. Very good. Um, oh, oh, this one's going to be too easy. When Joni had a crush on Potsy, what was her name for him? Well, I, I, she calls him Chach a lot, but... Um, no, Potsy. Oh, Potsy. Yeah. Um, she was sending him uh, anonymous notes. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, uh, it's the one where Joni has a crush on Potsy and then right. becomes like his stalker. Yeah. <laughs> um, Peter, help me out. I am drawing a blank. Because I only remember the... Yeah, go ahead. She called him Dren, which is nerd backwards. Oh, Dren! You know what's you know what's even worse? That I, we put stingers at the end of every episode. You know, like a little like right. um, Mystery Science Theater 3000 sound clip at the end yeah. of every episode. And nerd spells backwards is Dren is the <laughs> stinger for our review. So. That's funny. What is the name of Chachi's mother? Luisa Arcola. Very good. Very good. I have an Auntie Luisa, so that's how it always stuck with me. In the episode Wish Upon a Star, what does who does Richie say who does Richie say his favorite singer is? Uh, this is a real tough one. Pat Boone. I don't know. He seems like a Pat Boone guy. No, he <laughs> he. Oh, go ahead, Peter. 
Uh, Hold on. <laughs> Let's take a look. <laughs> oh, you cheating? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm looking at my own notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> because I take Frankie Avalon, maybe. No. Nope. Uh, he mentions Margaret Truman. Very good. Margaret Truman. Who is not a singer. She is a writer and the daughter of Harry Truman. Right. But. <laughs> and now what? As here's the bonus question for this one. Who really is his favorite singer and his who sings his favorite song? Elvis Presley. Fats Domino. Fats Domino. Blueberry Hill. Oh, Blueberry Hill. Yeah, yep. of course. Yep. Um, so according to Howard Cunningham, who did Jenny Piccolo date? Everybody. Yep. <laughs> Every guy in school. <laughs> Uh, this one's way too easy, but what's the name of the lodge that Howard belongs to? Leopard Lodge. Right. And our final question for our first time quiz on then is now, who does the Fonz have a picture of in his wallet? James Dean. Nope. Oh, right. That. Nope. The Lone Ranger. <laughs> oh, because he idolizes the Lone Ranger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's cosplayed as the Lone Ranger mm-hmm. at least twice so far on our show, and he will eventually meet the Lone Ranger. So that's right. That's right. Which which resonates with me because for some reason, even as an 80s kid, I was uh, obsessed with the Lone Ranger. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I even had these Lone Ranger toys as a kid. And just a couple of days ago, I found out that they were from the failed Lone Ranger movie from the 80s. Oh, yes. And (laughs) with Clinton Spillsbury as uh, the Lone Ranger. Yeah. And I realized that these toys that I had loved so much were from this failed toy line from a failed uh, movie. So it was kind of very sad. Clinton Spillsbury is a great name. It is. Unfortunately, he never acted again after that. So, yeah. um, But, yeah, the Lone Ranger was uh, huge to him. And it was big to me for some reason. And I can still remember that the, the Lone Ranger came with a little gun that I lost in the uh, air conditioning unit in our backyard. <laughs> so maybe in that air conditioner still to this day, um, if you, I'm sure the I'm sure the current homeowners would love to have people show up and <laughs> look for the, the little Lone Ranger gun inside there. But because um, you know when you're a kid, you play in the backyard, you know, and oh, yeah. like, you know the 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 air conditioner becomes like you know I don't know the bank or whatever that's being robbed. Right. And so the little this little gun fell in there, but the toys were neat. Uh, I was, they were neat toys. So I, I was into the Lone Ranger, so I could sympathize. That's. Funny. I didn't remember that he kept a, a picture of him in his wallet. Yeah, I forget which episode that was in, but. Well, he does have a he does have a poster of James Dean in his uh, apartment. That's that he, right. Yeah, so I I guess I just assumed that he would have another picture of James Dean that he could just carry around with him. Right. Yeah, right, right. portable inspiration. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about the cast here, um, which I, I think is fascinating. They're, they're such a such a great cast. You know, you've got Ron Howard, of course, as Richie Cunningham. Yeah. And he's gone on to direct uh, Parenthood, Apollo 13, A Beautiful Mind. He even directed the Han Solo movie, Solo, A Star, a Star Wars Story. And he also directed Hillbilly Elegy, uh, based on the memoir of a Trump-supporting venture capitalist. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I read, too, was that I found interesting was he actually, he wanted to just be a director. He didn't really have a desire to continue acting after he had done Opie on uh, Andy Griffith's show. But he was going to get drafted. So, and they, even if he was in directing school, that wasn't going to save him from the, from the draft. So he took the role of Richie Cunningham. And they, I read that after they filmed the pilot, Richard Nixon got rid of the draft. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I heard about the draft story, and it was kind of a uh, yeah, kind of it was kind of deflating because like, oh, he took the show just to avoid the draft, but, right? Um, <laughs> um, you know, Ron. I try to watch all the series that are kind of related to Happy Days, and um, between Andy Griffith and Happy Days, he did a show for two seasons called The Smith Family. Right. And one of these days, I am going to force Peter to watch an episode of The Smith Family, because that show is kind of torture. <laughs> I, I I watched the episode you sent me, oh, and it, it's, it, it's like... It's like aliens tried to make a sitcom to un. It's like aliens trying to understand the human invention of the sitcom and not <laughs> quite getting it. Yeah, it is. It is so bad. And Ron said that oh, when he was on Andy Griffith and when he was on Happy Days, he felt like he was on a hit show. He felt like he was on a hit sitcom. You know, because people would recognize him and say, you know, hey, love the show. I watch every week. And he said he felt none of that on the Smith family. <laughs> wow. Uh, and the Smith family, it should be great because it stars Henry Fonda. He did two seasons of a show with Henry Fonda. Wow. And the show sucks. It's awful. Um, <laughs> but thank you, Peter, for watching the episode. I, I kind of love to torture Peter with like bad Happy Days related stuff, <laughs> like like um, Lansky's Beauties and Me and the Chimp. Me and the Chimp, I think, was oh, the worst. Geez. Me and the Chimp. That was Gary Marshall's show that he. Well, because me, we haven't. Me, me and the Chimp is bad, but like I, I feel like Lansky's Beauties is slightly worse, just because the episode that we watched was also the one that featured a white guy playing an Arab stereotype type yeah and it's also it's it's about human trafficking basically yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's it's a weird episode yeah it's about you gary actually act as acts on uh blansky's beauties uh he's actually an actor on the show he plays a mobster mm -hmm. so. oh that's right and he was he was one of the band members in one of the happy days episodes too he's like the drummer he's in a couple yeah he's in a couple of them he's in and he's in a uh, Laverne and Shirley as well. He always plays a drummer mm -hmm. on That's those right. shows. So what I didn't understand about Blansky's Beauties was it took place in the seventies, yet they yeah. were right. the same characters. Well, no. Uh, Linda Goodfriend was playing Sunshine Acalino, who is entirely different from Lori Beth, and Eddie Mecca was playing Carmine's identical younger cousin. Oh right. Uh, but Pat Morita is still Arnold. Pat Morita is Arnold. And yeah, and then you've got the first episode has Pinky Tuscadero, uh, still played by Roz. Was it Roz? Roz Kelly. Uh, Roz Kelly. Still yeah. Still played by Roz. Kelly. Uh, still played by Roz Kelly, just inexplicably twenty years in the future. Right. So <laughs> my theory is that Pinky and Arnold are either time travelers, vampires. Or just immortal. Right. They're Highlanders. There you so. go. <laughs> they could be only one pink. Arnold's a Highlander. <laughs> Hello, this is Rod Barnett. I'm the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast that examines films from across the decades. On The Bloody Pit, we have several ongoing series of shows within the show focused on specific things 
in genre cinema that I and my co-hosts find fascinating. There's a long-running series focused on Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti's films from the 1960s all the way up through 1990. There's an on-again, off-again series focused on 1970s science fiction films. There's an in-depth look at the Western movies that William Castle made before he struck out on his own and became the horror auteur that we know and love. A look at the classic Coffin Joe films from Brazil. And our long-term project to look at every universal horror film made in the 1940s. That's a long project, people. It's going to take us a long time. Sprinkled in amongst those are various other episodes focused on other stranger areas of cinema, like uh, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even some obscure British crime films from time to time. So join me and my rotating crew of co-hosts as we examine the stranger side of cinema through an exploitation lens. Except when we don't? Yeah, you never really know exactly what to expect on The Bloody Pit. So join me for The Bloody Pit. Greetings, this is Mr. Lobo. Are you a Sinsomniac? Do you stay up late and watch what normal people call bad movies till dawn? Black and white low-budget pot boilers, box office bombs, West German talking car movies, rock bands versus monster movies, broken down school films, midget zombie and midget spy flicks, guys in gorilla suit movies, even old TV commercials, inappropriate cartoons, drive-in snack bar ads, and worse? <clears throat> well, we like to say they're not bad movies just misunderstood. Stay up late with Miss Mittens, your host, Mr. Lobo, and a revolving door of special guests, fellow horror movie hosts, robot monsters, and lovely real seven girls for a late night TV slumber party that we call Cinema Insomnia. You can watch us on channel OSI 74 for Roku. We even have some episodes on Amazon and Alpha Video DVD. You may never get a good night's sleep again. So uh, Anson Williams, of course, played Patsy Weber. And one thing I found out in the research that I thought was really fascinating, his cousin in real life was Dr. Henry Heimlich, who developed the Heimlich Maneuver. Oh, wow. Well, I've heard that uh, since uh, his acting days, Anson has become quite the inventor. And I think he's invented life-saving devices or something. Wow. I've read articles about it, but uh, Anson is quite an inventor and uh, uh, a... Businessman, wow. I guess, entrepreneur. So people, and people are alive today thanks to Anson thanks to Williams. Potsy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the thing I, if, if anybody sends this to me, I would be so grateful. I've been trying to find somewhere on the internet or the dark web, is uh, Anson Williams at SeaWorld. It's the uh, special oh, that he did uh, at during Happy Days, and it was syndicated. And he went on Match Game to promote it, and. I've never seen even a clip of it. So hmm. anybody who has it out there, Anson Williams at SeaWorld. That, with, that, uh, yeah, with with all kinds of special guests. I think, uh, you know, Shamu and uh, <laughs> everybody's on there. That's man. crazy. So, 
It's a hot show. Uh, apparently, he, he played, obviously, he played Potsy on Happy Days and, of course, the um, pilot episode, which was on Love American Style. And I think he showed right. up on Laverne and Shirley. But according to his, his listing online, he also played Potsy on Sabrina the Teenage Witch in 1996. Have you seen that? I haven't even heard oh. that he was on there. Oh, wow. Now I have to tr- uh, have to find that <laughs> yeah. because uh, Sabrina, man, that was that was big time TV, man. That was that was great. That was Melissa Joan Hart. Also, didn't he direct episodes of Baywatch? Oh, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, That's crazy. And then we, of course, have got Marion Ross and Tom Bosley, which we could do a whole show on those two. Oh my God! Yeah, they've just had amazing careers. I mean, they're so good. Tom Bosley has a Tony for Best Actor in a Musical for Fiorello. And that makes me wow. so happy. <laughs> and uh, in our, uh, when there was, Happy Days did a musical episode called Be My Valentine, and it was a real thrill to be able to edit in some uh, of uh, Tom Bosley singing from, from Fiorello. Nice. So there's clips of Fiorello in there. That's awesome. Uh, if you want to find that one. What really surprised me was that According to Marion Ross, and I don't think Tom Bosley has denied this, uh, for the first couple of seasons, uh, they did not get along very well. Oh, you wouldn't guess it because they have such great on-screen chemistry. Yeah. But apparently, uh, Tom was not thrilled at first about doing a long-running TV show because he was a Broadway actor. He had quite a career, and he didn't like, you know, the fact that he was contractually tied to this TV show, and he kind of thought, you know this is all kind of beneath him so he was a little bit icy to marion for the first couple of seasons right right but then uh he warmed up to her because she's so great on the show and uh in his retrospective interview about it he said oh she's one of the best actresses i've ever worked with so um yeah howard and marion are really the heartbeat of the show and Mm -hmm. marion is one of the few people who was actually both in the, I think she might be the only person who's really in it from Love American Style to the very end. season 11. Yeah. 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 And, you know, one thing I, I love about them too is like like with Tom. To the very end, because not even Potsy, Potsy's still on very much. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, Potsy's not like even he's, in the he's not finale. In the, no, Potsy yeah. and Ralph are not in the finale. He's not in the finale, but he is in Fonzie Spots, which is the last. Well, technically, yes, technically, the the Fonzie's. So he's off and on through season eleven, but Marion is just solid from very beginning to very end. So she is sort of the, she is the one connective. You could even say that uh, Happy Days is Marion's story, although no one has interpreted yeah. the show that way. Yeah, everybody says it. I guess it's because she doesn't really change too much throughout the show. I mean, she does change a little bit but generally she's the same for, for the most part she's the same person from beginning to end she's motherly and uh, she's motherly and she does what she thinks is right and so yeah so, so yeah yeah so th- they're great uh in fact even in episodes that are bad um tom bosley and marion ross are always good like they 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 bring so much to the show they they actually make the show a lot better yeah. so they're like they're one element that never yeah. goes wrong and, really and i appreciate show. in regards to their relationship that they still have a very healthy sex life yes like, they're very frisky like yes <laughs> frisky like, is like the- they you probably couldn't get away with that in the actual 1950s but in the 1970s yeah right. we have accepted that 
couples who have been married for a long time can still <laughs> be extremely physically attracted to each other. But Howard, it's Thursday. Yes. <laughs> and they don't have those uh, twin beds, you know, right. like every other, like the real 50s TV couples, you know, like uh, Lucy and Ricky right. slept in separate beds and yet... How did little Ricky happen? I don't right. know. <laughs> I like the one though, some where, sort of miracle. I like the one where they go to the hotel and they push the two beds together, and then how it ends up falling between the two beds and pushing them apart. <laughs> yes, if that doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that was a thing. Um, the I, twin I, beds thing. I, yeah, it's so funny because Dick Van Dyke had that as well. But I just love yeah. how Tom in the first two seasons he really. Howard Cunningham was a really great dad to Richie, and he really tried his best. He, you know, he always wanted to be like Ozzy Nelson, but I thought he yeah. was he was a great role model father figure in in those episodes. Yeah, he's a, he's a great dad to he's a great dad to Richie and Joey, mm -hmm. at less so to Chuck. Right, uh, he is <laughs> less uh, he's less a great dad to Chuck, but I, he, his success rate is like. 66% with the kids, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Two of them did not get erased from existence. So, <laughs> but one of the things that, though, one thing that, that Peter and I have talked about is how a consistent theme in Howard's parenting is that he will let Joni and Richie make mistakes or he will give them the, the leeway to make a decision for themselves Yeah, and be like, and and so that that's a really cool thing that he does as a dad and you can see how how great the 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 cunninghams are as parents because basically fonzie wants to be adopted into the cunningham family and he basically is right and he basically is potsy <laughs> wants to be adopted into the cunningham family and isn't right decidedly <laughs> yeah yeah uh i'm free tonight it's kind of it's it's a weird choice to constantly have Potsy mentioning how abusive his dad is to him. Right. Yeah. Like when they come home from, from Hollywood and he and Ralph's like, I gotta explain to my mother how I broke her ironing board and Potsy's like, I gotta explain to my father that I'm home. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that becomes a, a a a really dark thing that they embroider on uh, for pretty much the rest of the show. And I would like to say that when Potsy goes to college he starts studying studying psychology. And that's something that remains consistent in his character. And I think his relationship with his dad kind of forced him into studying psychology. He kind of wants to understand people. You right, know? Mm -hmm. right. So um, it's, a, it's a fascinating aspect of the show that doesn't really get uh, explored that much other than just throwaway jokes. Mm -hmm. Right, right. One thing I wanted to mention about Marion, and it's something I didn't notice as a kid, which is kind of obvious when I say the rest of my phrase here, is that uh, watching this now, uh, she is so cute. And she's so adorable and, and sweet that it just, it works. Like, she's just so, so much of a great character that's underplayed. She underplays it very well. Oh, yeah. Tom Bosley has a tendency to ham it up in the later seasons. Yeah. Like, after the more down-to-earth first two seasons. And generally, Marion, you know, she can play it loud, too, now and then. But generally, she's very good at being the down-to-earth one. Right. And Marion, I think, is just so naturally ingratiating that, you know, she becomes this very warm person that everybody takes to pretty instantly. You'd have to go way out of your way to dislike Marion Ross or Marion Cunningham. So, um, yeah, she, yeah, she's pretty great on the show. Absolutely. And, of course, you've got Henry Winkler, who plays Fonzie. He, you know, he did his first major film role was The Lords of Flatbush in 74. Right. And... Um, 
you know, when they were doing Happy Days, they wanted someone who was going to be able to portray that kind of a character, you know, a high school dropout, a greaser. But you don't really see him too much in, like, the first two seasons. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue, and he doesn't even have his leather jacket unless he's with his motorcycle. Do you guys want to touch on that a little bit? Uh, Yeah, they, they were afraid that it would make him look like a hoodlum, which is what he is, so... Right. <laughs> Instead, they... they gave him the gray windbreaker which makes him look like the creepy guy who's you know standing across the street from the children's <laughs> playground so right. uh that's uh that's they've decided maybe that was not the good look uh, for fonzie what's interesting about uh, fonzie is that gary marshall s- said he was kind of based on gary cooper and he liked the way that gary cooper would express himself with very few words you know uh, gary cooper would he would say yup and that would be his dialogue for a whole scene. And so that was originally the idea for Fonzie was that he would barely talk. He would just sort of be this mysterious guy. And then by season four and five, and certainly by the end of the show, season 11, Fonzie's a motor mouth. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> he just never shuts up. So Yeah. Uh, the thing about Fonzie is that despite, while he is the epitome of cool, he's also like this incredibly neurotic melodramatic person who is kind of obsessed with how other people perceive him who is constantly on the verge of a nervous collapse if something goes wrong in his carefully cultivated image and this uh this happened a lot in season three like in the motorcycle his motorcycle gets destroyed and he has a and he (laughs) and and that and in another episode he loses his job as a mechanic and he has to become a door-to-door salesman right <laughs> yeah they take everything away from him at at one point or another they take his motorcycle away they try to take his leather jacket away yeah uh, they take his job as a mechanic away and people remember his garbage can jumping stunt and that was because he did that because he had lost his cool right his cool went away and, yeah. he and so he, up, he ends up breaking his leg and spending several weeks lying around the Cunningham house, and Richie has to basically trick him into walking again. So they they completely deconstruct the Fonzie character, and they, they break him down only to build him back up again over and over and over again. And yeah, Fonzie is... Fonzie definitely becomes bigger and cartoonier over the years, and eventually Fonzie becomes a full-on cartoon. He becomes a full-on animated cartoon that we've also talked about. Who travels through time with a girl from the future and a talking dog. (laughs) Yep. So Fonzie gets bigger and cartoonier, but he's also a lot of fun. Uh, You know, the reason why Fonzie became the main focus of the show starting in season three is that in season two, the most interesting episodes tend to revolve around Fonzie. Uh, Episodes like Guess Who's Coming to Christmas and... um, That's a great one. A Star is is Bored, where he is Hamlet. And so, you know, after that, I think they were starting to run out of, like, Richie can't get a date for the sock hop episodes. (laughs) You know, there was only so many episodes of that they could do so they decided to switch the the focus to Fonzie and for better or worse it got him to 11 seasons because they were about to get cancelled after two right yeah Yeah. I was going to say that and I I, I think in regards to I think in regards to Fonzie I think that his relationship with the Cunninghams is extremely heartwarming and I think that it's a good idea to focus on like the Cunninghams are a very traditional nuclear family and I think that them basically adopting Fonzie kind of helps 
it, it, it helps give a sense that they're, you know, they're, they're very kind people, that they care about people who are not part of their immediate bloodline, and as long as they're not Potsy Weber, because Howard doesn't like him. <laughs> yep, it's just like they take everybody in except for Potsy. Screw yep. Potsy, get out of my house. <laughs> that's so funny. But, yeah. And uh, starting from season three, that's when they start doing the show, you know, in front of a live studio audience. Yep. And Henry just uh, takes to that like a duck to water. Uh, he is never happier than when he is hamming it up for the studio audience. And Tom Bosley is a lot the same way. Um, once season three starts and there's that studio audience there to laugh and applaud, uh, Henry and Tom just, they just go for it in uh, every episode. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. So then you've got, of course, Donnie Most, who played Ralph. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, it was funny because a, a little while ago, probably two or three months ago, I was listening to an interview with him on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, and right. he was saying that his first love was singing. And when they first started having Anson Williams sing on the show, he told the producers, well, I can sing too. Why can't I sing? And they're like, well, we already got a guy who can sing. We don't need two people singing on the show. And he did have a few songs released in the mid-'70s that weren't great hits, but now he tours the country. Uh, on a show called Donnie Most Sings and Swings, and he performs swing music um, with uh, a full seven-piece band. Yeah, and he, uh, his album is, it's, it's a pretty good album, and he's, he's got a very nice, deep voice. And he also released a very interesting Christmas EP where he performed Santa Baby as a duet with a female singer. And it, it, it's a lot like Michael Buble's infamous No Homo cover of Santa Baby, except there's also a, a woman there who is trying to seduce Santa, as Donnie Most is trying to platonically seduce Santa. <laughs> wow, so many layers to that record. That's um, hilarious. Well, Donnie does have a nice voice. Uh, he's sung a few times on the show, and we've tried to feature Donnie's music as often as we can on our podcast. Uh, we featured uh, one of his Christmas songs, I think. Uh, I think I, I chose um, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. I chose a little, I, now I would have chosen Santa Baby. I would have gone for that one. But um, he sung a few songs on there. Yep. Um, but he's on there to be the, the wisecracking, funny guy. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, generally they give the mushy stuff and boy do they get mushy with Anson uh, they yeah. give the really mushy stuff to Anson <laughs> that's right and then of course He's the velvet cloud that's right the velvet cloud yeah <laughs> then we've got Erin Moran uh, who played Joni Cunningham and she passed away recently which was really sad because she was only 56 yeah Erin uh, you know Erin was the third Joni Cunningham altogether and I think the only reason that Joni Cunningham even registers as a character is because of Aaron I think um, they'd gone through two other Aaron they'd gone through two other Jonies and nothing had clicked you hmm. know and then they brought in Aaron who had been an actress before this uh, she grew up in the business uh, she had been on a show called Doc Tari oh, okay and yeah. she's just um, she just brought something you know she just brought this spark to the show and I am very impressed by Aaron's uh, comic timing and things. Um, Peter and I just recently, for another show, binge watched all of Joni Loves Chachi, <laughs> the spinoff yeah. from the eighties. Which, despite what its reputation would suggest, is not as terrible as you would think. Right. And yeah, Aaron Moran is is great on it. Even though her relationship with with Chachi, as played by Scott Baio, is pretty tedious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty much every episode is jo uh, Chachi is, jo is jealous because Joni's hanging out with some other guy, and then 
uh, Chachi gets mad about it. Right. But, um, <laughs> but Joni has a lot of spark and a lot of wit, and she's really kind of snarky in the first couple of seasons, and she's really there to bust Richie's chops in every episode. Right. You know, she's she's there to, like, he can't get away with too much. So it's, it's very sad that Aaron Moran passed away, but uh, Joni is a great character on the show, and... And Joni, I was so glad she's getting she's getting immortalized with a Funko Pop. They're doing Happy oh, Days nice. Funko Pops, and they're moving. They're doing a whole line of them, and Joni is getting one. So I was glad that Joni got to be chosen. So that's good. That's yeah, I awesome. think Joni's a great character. Yeah, and one of the things I love is that it's that typical family thing that we used to do, at least up until and including when I was a kid, is that the the youngest kid would always get sent to their room if something important was going on. She could never participate yeah. in what was happening. <laughs> yep, she's uh, always getting sent to her room. And I think there's even a joke about that on Joni Loves Chachi. By then she's grown up and then there's not a room to send her to. <laughs> and um, they're still trying to send her to her room. But yeah, she, she gets... Well, you know... But that makes her discovery of what's happening in the house all the sweeter to her because she has to kind of sneak around to do it. And she's always like spying on Richie and spying on her parents and right. stuff like that. So she it, has to be kind of Harriet the spy mm -hmm. of the show. And whenever the parents fight, she's like, why are you guys fighting? And Howard would yell, we're not fighting, we're having a discussion. Yeah, which is, I think my parents said the same stuff to me. Right. <laughs> that was a line that real parents actually used. So... One of my favorite characters, and I, every time he's on screen, I just die laughing, is um, Pat Morita, who played Arnold. Right. He's so good in that show, even though he's not in it for, at least in my opinion, he's not in it enough. But every scene he has, he just totally steals the scene. Oh, yeah. It, it sucks that Mr. T and Tina didn't last longer. Right. Or, or maybe it's a good thing it didn't last longer. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't know if it was any good. But at least he has an Oscar nomination. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know... Um, Gary just loved Pat, and uh, they had so much trouble figuring out who Arnold was going to be. They tried different ethnicities, different actors. They were like, I, they couldn't fix this part of Arnold. And then Gary just turned to his old buddy, Pat Morita, and said, Pat, help me out here. Come on out and play uh, Arnold. And um, he did it, and he knocked it out of the park. See, I speak Japanese, Chinese, uh, Korean, a little Hungarian. <laughs> Well, tell me something. What do you consider yourself? Good looking. Unfortunately, you know, uh, the way it worked out was ABC offered him his own show, and he took it because he had to, and right. it failed. But Arnold does come back in the later seasons of Happy Days, and Arnold does re reappear on um, Blansky's Beauties. Yeah. So. Arnold is not an unstereotypical character, but Pat Morita is consistently wonderful on the show and right it, it is nice that he is usually the one making fun of other people and not usually the butt of the joke right oh yeah in fact he has that incredible laugh that he yeah. does uh <laughs> yeah. yeah i can't even imitate him hey arnie you're all right sure why do i care what my parents think <laughs> they're still in miami beach <laughs> He gets to laugh right in their faces all the time, which I love that he does. And he even does the writing on some of the writing on the wall in the bathroom. You write this stuff? <laughs> I always thought the kids did it. Oh, the kids now funny. I write the good stuff. Bring in the crowds. <laughs> yeah. 
See, look at this. Want a good time? Call Emma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. One of my favorite running gags about Arnold the Drive-In is that it's kind of a shithole. Right. Like, in the episode that we just discussed, Richie jokingly refers to Al as the man who made food poisoning trendy. And then he has to clarify that he's joking, but, like, he's not quite joking. A a running joke is that, you know, the the food isn't very good, and it's not very clean, and it's just, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It's probably a pretty bad restaurant with pretty pretty bad food, but (laughs) Arnold just makes it all so much more fun. You know, you want to go in there and... Yeah. You go in there for Arnold, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, t- uh, taking over for um, for Arnold was Al Al Molinaro, who played Al Del Vecchio. And to me, when I was a kid, I always remembered him as Murray the Cop from the Odd Couple TV show. Sure. <laughs> and again, this was another actor that Gary loved. Gary was like, you know, he just wanted to bring in somebody that he already knew and liked. And... You know, I was so glad that in the in the Weezer video for Buddy Holly, they brought in Al Molinaro to introduce Weezer. Yep. And that kind of introduced Al to another generation. Al Molinaro, he didn't start acting until he was like in his 50s. You know, he, he yeah. was an older man. A real man. Wilford Brimley. Right. He was. And he had, you know, I guess he made his money in real estate. And he was like, well, I'll try acting. And yeah, he's... He's basically Murray the Cop. Yeah. Murray the Cop and Al Del Vecchio are basically the same guy. But um, Although I will say that Al wins by virtue of not being a cop. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, so yeah, we just did, uh, like, last week an episode. And that's going to, yeah, that's going to, well, for us, it's going to air in a couple of days about Al. About Al going out on a date with a meter maid and then being stood up by the meter maid. And then making a date with a lady named Mona Glickstein, who lives in his apartment building. And uh, it's it's a very poignant, very sweet little episode. And Al does it so beautifully. So, yeah, nice. we, we're big fans of Al Molinaro, too. That's awesome. And now one actor that was on the show that my, my wife was in love with as a kid was Scott Bale, who, of course, is Chachi Akola. You know, and he, he, I loved him on Charles in Charge. He was great on Charles in Charge, too. Hey folks, I just wanted to take a minute here to tell you about the hosting service that we use at Haven Podcasts, podserve.fm. Podcast hosting has never been easier. They do all the work to get your podcast on Apple Podcasts and other major podcast networks. They help you navigate the podcasting world, whether you're brand new or have years of experience. Folks, I can't tell you how happy I am with their service. When I first started this podcast, I searched around intensely for the right hosting platform. I found PodServe and used their simple four-step process, and in a short amount of time, my podcasts were on the internet and available through all the major podcast networks. And their customer support is unreal. Every time I goof things up and make a mistake, like uh, posting the wrong show to the wrong feed, I email them, and I kid you not, within minutes I get a response and the problem is resolved. And they're the only podcasting host that actually helps you get listeners. Other podcast hosts stop at Podcast Upload and don't help promote your podcast. Well, PodServe makes sure your podcast is seen by thousands of people. The promotion is free, and they put you on PodParadise.com, which has over 5,000 visits a day from avid podcast listeners and is growing every day. Each day, Pod Paradise selects five podcasts to spotlight on their front page. Maybe yours could be there soon. PodServe's pricing is simple. Only 19 bucks a month. That's it. No tiered pricing platform, just one low fee. For 19 bucks a month, you get 
unlimited storage, unlimited podcasts, free podcast promotion, your podcasts on all platforms, detailed download analytics, one-on-one customer support. You pay month to month and you can cancel at any time. And when you sign up, you get 14 days free. You don't even have to give them your credit card. I love their service so much, I put a reminder in my phone to add my credit card when the 14 days was almost up. I couldn't give them my 19 bucks fast enough. I'm telling you, I I really didn't believe it until I actually signed up and saw my podcasts on everything from iTunes to Stitcher and Spotify and more in a ridiculously short amount of time. So if you've got a podcast and you don't have a hosting platform, I highly recommend podserve.fm. Check them out. Remember the 50s, jukeboxes, hot rods, malt shops, and sock hops. No, not really. Oh, well, do you remember that TV show Happy Days? You know, Fonzie and Richie and all like that? A, sit on it, etc.? Kind of. Then join us for These Days Are Ours, a Happy Days podcast where we watch every episode and give you the lowdown on what it all means. Find us at thesedaysareours.libsyn.com and follow us on Twitter at Fonzie Podcast. Be there or be square. You're sure you don't remember Sock Hops? Sorry, no. Okay, then. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to the discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. So let's move on to um, our, um, the last actor I wanted to mention would be Ted McGinley, oh. who played Roger Phillips, who's notorious for killing shows like Happy Days and Married with Children. Do you think that's true here in Happy Days? Happy Days lasted for many seasons after right. Ted McGinley joined the cast. Right. And also, I will just come out and say it. I think Ted McGinley is goddamn good on <laughs> Happy Days. Yeah. I, I like Roger. Obviously, he's a fake Richie, he's a fake substitute Richie. Yeah. yeah. If Ron Howard is a Howdy Doody doll who somehow came to life, uh, <laughs> Ted McGinley is a Ken doll who somehow came to life. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. He's got a very symmetrical face. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think I think Roger's actually kind of funny on the show. He brings uh, kind of that 80s preppy persona to the show. Yeah, he, he's like a yuppie. Except somehow in the 1960s. Yeah, he's he shouldn't even really exist in this time period, but he does. And Ted McGinley is just a funny, funny actor. I've liked him in pretty much everything. He, I thought he was so funny on Married with Children as uh, Jefferson Darcy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he was very memorably in the finale of Batman the Brave and the Bold, where uh, Batmite is trying to get the show canceled. And what one of the things he does <laughs> is uh, replace 
Jean DiMaggio as Aquaman with Ted McGinley <laughs> and Ambush Bug, who is voiced by Henry Winkler himself, has to team up with Batman to save the show. That's I mean, awesome. It, it doesn't exactly work because the you know that was the finale, but right. it was a it was a really great episode it, of a great show. That's awesome. That's and so awesome. Ted always has such a good sense of humor about these things. Like he just comes off as like this like the nicest guy in the world in interviews. Yeah, <laughs> and he has nothing but a sense of humor about being like the uh, the the cousin Oliver to so many other shows, and he's been <laughs> added to so many. <laughs> like long running shows that die. So yeah, yeah, I have no problem with him. Uh, I think he's yeah, I actually think he's pretty darn good That's in the awesome. later episodes. Yeah, although my my personal favorite Latter Day Happy Days cast member is Kathy Silvers as Jenny Piccolo. Oh, we we're big fans of Jenny Piccolo on yeah. our podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> and she's one of those characters that. Well, how many seasons did they talk about her, but we never saw her? I think they started season three. I think is when Joni started mentioning her. Right, and she doesn't come on until season eight. The reason why she's on the show is uh, because Ron and uh, Don left at the same time at the end of season six. They scrambled. ABC scrambled to fix Happy Days by season eight, and they brought on. I don't know if that's when they brought on everybody, but they brought on. Jenny Piccolo, that might have been when they brought on... Was it when they brought on uh, Casey and Roger? I don't know. I think uh, Casey, so. Casey, Casey was season 10 because by that point, Joni and Chachi had left for their spinoff. So they brought in Casey to be like the new Joni. Joni. Right, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And that was also when Linda Goodfriend got promoted to the, to like, uh, the opening titles. And right. then they just never really did anything with her because they couldn't really think of a role for her outside of... Richie's long distance girlfriend. Right. <laughs> yeah, poor, poor Linda Goodfriend. She's an excellent actress too. And oh yeah. She, we, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of of Linda Goodfriend uh, and her performance on this show. So, but you know, when Don and Ron left at the end of season seven, Happy Days was really reeling, and they scrambled to reinvent themselves, and that's when Jenny Piccolo became an on camera character. Yeah, and I think it was a it was a very clever idea to, to reveal that. For all that Howard was scandalized by her and thought she was a bad influence on Joni, in actuality, right. Jenny was just a, a teenager who didn't really know what she was talking about and mostly was exaggerating everything about herself to like, uh, impress people. And Kathy Silver is uh, so funny. And Kathy Silver's is so funny on the show. And I just love her line reads and just uh, everything about her character. So. Yeah. I, re- I remember when that episode premiered, I think it was the season premiere, and um, yeah. the, the TV Guide had a big thing about it, and they were like, well, for the first time, we're finally going to see what Jenny Piccolo looks like, and she's going to be a regular character on the show, you know? Yeah, and I, I don't think she was, I, I think she was actually even better than you could have hoped. Yeah. Uh, because they talked about Al's girlfriend, Rosa Coletti, for yes. years and years, and like one of his catchphrases is, did I ever tell you about Rosa Coletti? Yeah. And then Rosa Coletti comes on to the show, and I don't know if this is that great an episode, and Rosa Coletti kind of is a letdown. Yeah. yeah. But Jenny Piccolo is actually better than I had hoped, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she and Joni have a very fun friendship. Yeah, that was something that the show really missed in the early seasons, was just having a, a good girlfriend on camera for Joni. For Joni, yeah. Exactly. You know, there's one scene that always stuck out to me, 
even when I was a little kid, from the first episode, the first season episode called Guess Who's Coming to Visit, which is the one where all the kids participate in the illegal drag race and then they all get grounded. Right. And at oh, the yeah. very end, they all have to leave because they're grounded. And there's this one character, Moose, who's, you know, this rather large yes. fellow. And across the room is this um, nice, you know, nerdy looking girl. And they sort That's of right. see each other from across the room. There's no one else there. And then they just get up and dance. And that was, I always remember that as being like the sweetest moment in happiness. Yeah. And that to me, that scene is, it sums up Happy Days. It's just the epitome of what Happy Days was about. Yeah. Yeah, I love that scene. And I wish they had kept Moose on as a character. I think he kind of tapers off. You know, they, they don't they don't just drop him suddenly. No, but, he, um, he shows up in the next episode because Ralph unscrews the, the salt uh, lid on his salt shaker, but mm-hmm. what, which was really mean, but then what's cool is um, Moose gets him back at the end of the episode. <laughs> and yeah, Moose turns up he's kind of one of those characters like Bag right. uh, or uh, Trudy. Oh, bag. bag. Bag and Trudy. <laughs> uh, who Come and go, sticks. and yeah, that that yeah, sticks, sticks. Oh gosh, yeah. sticks yeah. is a whole saga. I, I wish Six Downey <laughs> had stuck around, if only because like, you know, Happy Days is is a very very white show. Yeah, and I think that like you, you like if you exclusively focus on white people in the nineteen fifties, yeah, you can get away with calling it Happy Days. Right, but like you know, the nineteen fifties were, I, I like. If we're talking about the actual decade of the 1950s and not this melange of pop culture references, then, you know, it was a pretty miserable time to be anyone if you were not white and civil. Yeah, it was not a very happy time. And in fact, uh, you know, obviously Styx's big episode is one where, you know, he can't even perform in public in an integrated band. And one of the things that surprised me about the episode is that the episode, I don't think, really ends all that optimistically because they don't even try to fix it. They were just like, that's just the way it is, and we're just going to have to have this dance in private at the Cunningham house and not at Arnold's or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Where, where were they supposed to perform? Was, I think at Arnold's I think it was or at something. The, at the Cunningham's. But what was interesting, though, because Richie starts yelling because none of the kids would show up to the party. I think it was oh, yeah. the luau. Uh, and... And Richie starts yelling, well, if I want to have a black guy in my house, I can have a black guy in my house. And Fonzie's like, no, 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 no. That's not how you go about it. If you like him, have him at your house. If you don't like him, don't invite him to your house, you know? Yeah, so ultimately it's Richie has to learn the lesson about not yeah. using not using this guy as a prop, basically. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the strengths of the show, I think, even though, like you said, they probably could have done more. I like how they were able to... Well, first of all, it was it was a very innocent way of looking at, um, you know, coming of age through Richie's eyes at first. But then it's, they started to tackle issues without getting too heavy handed. They didn't it wasn't a message show. They weren't going to hit us over the head with the messages, but they did tackle quite a few things oh, yeah. throughout the series. Um, oh, yeah. 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 Season one had a had a fairly decent episode about racism as depicted with an old friend of Howard's from the army. And right. uh you know, one of my favorite episodes of season one, which was uh, Be the First on Your Block, which was all about Cold War paranoia and the impending fear of nuclear doom. Right. <laughs> yep. They had to buy that bomb shelter. And then they have that uh, Sophie's Choice of who gets into the bomb shelter and who doesn't. And they decide who lives and who dies. It's delightful. <laughs> right. And it's, it's great. So I think the show gets more into doing the very special episode kind of things uh, maybe later. 
Yeah, there's an upcoming episode where Joni learns that smoking isn't cool. Right, that's right. Which is extremely <laughs> anachronistic, considering it takes place in, like, the 1960s, which, you know, you had the Flintstones hawking cigarettes right. on TV. <laughs> you know, the show also had a responsibility. If the Fonz says that smoking isn't cool, maybe kids will think smoking isn't cool because the Fonz is a role model and they're going to do whatever he says. So. Eat your vegetables. Right. And get a library card. Get a library card. The library thing, the vegetable thing. Yeah. The library card thing is probably apocryphal and not accurate, but, you know, it's it's a nice sentiment. Yeah. Well, and there were a lot of things, the subtle things that the show touched on about like, the, naive, the naivety that we had back then, even right into the 70s. Like, I think it was in episode one where, you know, Ralph doesn't even know what a seatbelt is, you know? <laughs> Right. And when, when um, Marion's giving Joni the sex talk and she tells her, no, first you should go to school and get married and then have a kid. And Joni goes, well, uh, you don't have to do all that to have a kid because my sis- my friend's sister dropped out of high school to have a baby. And then Marion kind of mutters, I thought she went to boarding school. You know, <laughs> that's how <laughs> things happened back then. Yeah, it's a very it's a very naive time. And uh, one thing I'm glad that they didn't do more of on Happy Days is more of those, like, we know stuff that they don't know because they're in the past kind of jokes like, like, rock and roll, that's never going to catch on. Or, right. You know. <laughs> yeah. That's so I, I mean, I think the most that we got was, like, uh, the time that Marion said that it's, you know, you can't just make cookies instantly. It takes work. Right. Which might be a reference yeah. to, you know, like, instant cookie mix i think it was yeah but they do that a little bit but you could really go overboard on that kind of thing where we know stuff that's going to happen that they don't know every once in a while they will do it but they don't overdo that kind of joke well the the best one was when mork returned and fonzie says there's only one thing about 1979 i need to know cars and girls and he goes in 1979 both are faster Ah, good old Mork. That was good. I, I, I just listened to your Mork episode recently, too, and I, I really enjoyed that one. That was such a fun Thank one. You. Thank that you. Was, that, was a, that was, a, was a landmark for us. Nice. Doing a, uh, that was a landmark episode for yeah. us doing the Mork episode. Yeah, you and did a great breakdown. So, yeah, we've done so many. Uh, this season, God, we did uh, Jump the Shark. We did the Jump yep. the Shark episode. And we oh, did, uh, it feels so long ago already, but that's just because time now feels also it also feels like a long time ago because uh happy day season five is 27 episodes which wow good lord yeah that that's half a year for us oh my god so the seasons just drag on forever and ever but now you know cable shows they'll have like you know four episodes and call it a season right (laughs) now we've gotten to the minimum of what can be called a season on a show Yeah, because everything is content now everything is and it's not like the old days when you had like four channels and you you just watched whatever looked good to you well yeah i mean and it's funny because for me back then you know and maybe for you guys too that that was must-see tv i mean we didn't have dvrs and streaming services so if you missed it you missed it you know that's what I aimed to uh, discuss in our in a segment of our show that I call uh, "What Are You Watching This Week," where I talk about what was on that night and what you could have watched instead of Happy Days. Right. And sometimes we find fascinating, fascinating stuff. Like I the think man today from Atlantis. We, oh yeah. <laughs> and from Atlantis was probably our biggest discovery. But I also like Celebrity Battle of the Sexes. Yeah. Uh, that was a pretty good one. <laughs> Today we talked about a, uh, a a zoo veterinarian looking for love with a stewardess. That might have been a backdoor pilot that didn't get picked up. 
that didn't get picked up. The Lincoln conspiracy, who really killed Abraham Lincoln, that was on up against Happy Days. All kinds of fascinating stuff was on <laughs> against him. That's amazing. It's so funny. You know, and for me, for everybody I know or knew at the time, it, this was event television. I mean, oh, yeah. we talked about it on the playground the next day. You know, Fonzie jumped the cans oh, and sure. crashed into Arnold's Chicken Shack. Uh, Fonzie cries. Remember when Richie was in the coma? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. Fonzie goes that blind. Was a big, yeah, oh, Fonzie jumps Fonzie the shark, the Malachi crunch. We haven't gotten to the Fonzie going blind one yet. Okay. Uh, I'm allowed to, to get good and drunk for that one, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, uh, Officer Tur- Officer Kirk trying to run Fonzie out of town and then trying to he run does, Little Cascadero out of town. And then everyone bands together to support him. And they all dress like Fonzie. And they all, <laughs> where they got those leather jackets, I have no idea. I know. That's a question I had for you guys. That, um, I don't know if you addressed it on your show or not, but there are times, especially early on, where Fonzie's jacket looks black. But then most of the we time it talked, looks brown. We have talked about it. I think it's the same jacket. It just looks different in different lighting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, we have discussed the... Now right here, right here I'm in my living room right now, and I have a Fonzie uh, action figure uh, just a few feet away from me right now. And his leather jacket is definitely black. He has a right. black leather mm-hmm. jacket because that's what you think of. But when they go in for close-ups... On Henry Winkler, the jacket looks brown if he's well lit. So right, okay. I think it is a brown leather jacket, but we have talked about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And isn't his jacket's in the Smithsonian now, right? Right, for sure. Yeah, probably next to Archie Bunker's chair or something. Uh, yeah. So I I love how Fonzie's cool is almost like a superpower. It's just so awesome. It becomes that way for sure. Um, and he discovers it early on. He can't control it. He's almost like a mutant from the X-Men. Right. You know, he can't control the, you know, because this season we got a prequel episode. Uh, Peter will remember that. We yes. got a prequel. How Richie and Fonzie first met. That's oh, right. right. And, and Richie talked Fonzie out of being in a gang. And Fonzie uh, hits a wall and the lights turn off. And Richie is like, how did, how did you do that? And he's like, it's just this thing that happens. It's this thing I can do, you know. And it reminded me of like so many X-Men characters over the years who've talked that exact same way. You know, it's just this thing I can do. I've yeah. had it forever, you know. So that's his power is that you can turn things off and on. Right, right. It's just so cool. And, um, you know, there was, um, of course, I'm just jumping around here, but there was one, uh, no pun intended, um, when you guys talked about Jump the Shark, uh, you mentioned something about how sometimes the music wasn't actually authentic 50s music. Can you elaborate right. on that? Well... Um, the music, uh, the music thing is a big mess because, uh, for legal reasons, uh, the people at CBS Paramount, who now own Happy Days, have taken out a lot of the oldies and they've replaced them with uh, what I call replacement music. It's it's music that's supposed to sound like the '50s, but it was actually recorded much later. Yeah, recorded- like like. They would record Nat King Cole songs by his brother. Oh, yeah. For the first couple of years, they had his brother, Ike, (laughs) singing Nat King Cole songs. Sometimes the people would come in and re-record the songs themselves. But uh, what we're getting now in the episodes, like the ones that are running on ETV, they're not even the real songs at all. They're just songs that are supposed to sound vaguely Mm 50s-ish. But they're not real songs. Like there's one called Wallflower. And I asked around, and there's no real song like this. And then there's, I came here to rock and roll. I came here to rock and roll. That's a big one. I think there's one called Made in the USA. And they're all fake. 
Uh, they were just recorded. I don't even think they were recorded for Happy Days. I think they were recorded in the 80s or 90s to be huh. dubbed onto old episodes of Happy Days. So, yeah, it's a real shame because music-heavy episodes of the show now tend to get absolutely butchered. Yeah. We just did an episode with the guest star uh, Susie Quattro. And she did a cover of Johnny Be Good. And that was still in my version of the episode, but in Joey's version, it got dubbed over with an instrumental. Oh. Yeah. So, and it's like a really long scene, and where they're enthusiastically playing and they're jumping around on stage, and it looks so stupid because they are uh, <laughs> dancing around to this generic instrumental music. And then there's a whole episode where Richie becomes a DJ called Richie's Flipside. Right. And he's supposed to be the hottest DJ in Milwaukee, and he's playing like, you know, on hold music for the whole episode. So he's just playing like fake. <laughs> Sometimes they don't even try to make it sound 50s. Sometimes it sounds like really 70s. Yeah. But So I, I hate that stuff. So I sometimes, know. sometimes if it, I should really do my due diligence and go find the ep- versions of the episodes with like the real songs in them. But they're out there. I can find them. Uh-huh. But they're. Well, you know, we're, we, we, we do not condone uh, piracy. We, we do not condone it at all. Do not commit right. piracy. Piracy <laughs> is not cool. We do not exactly. condone it at all. Exactly. Have you guys heard about the 2011 lawsuit that the the Happy Day Stars had? About the casino stuff? Yeah. Or... Well, it was it was it was discovered at a casino when one of Marion Ross's friends, I guess, did a hat played a Happy Day slot machine, and the win the <laughs> winning jackpot was five Marion Rosses. But <laughs> they realized that they hadn't been paid for quite a bit of merchandising, like comic books, T-shirts, and mm-hmm. trading cards, and all that stuff. Well, they merchandised the holy hell out of Happy Days so much, oh, yeah. and they continue to do it. I, I'm just I'm laughing now because I just saw this interview with the guy last night, um, the guy who played Skippy on Family Ties. Oh yeah, and he was talking about uh, a Family Ties board game where if you drew the Skippy card, you lost the game. And how right. he was insulted by that, Aww. like, oh, that's sad. like if you drew, if you drew the card with his picture, that meant you lost the game. But um, <laughs> Happy Days, Happy Days was on so much merchandise, and I have some of it here uh, in my again in my apartment. I have some of that mer- merchandise. I don't know how much they got from it, if anything, but I know that they banded together to uh, like have a class action lawsuit against the casino uh, slot machine game maybe because they didn't want to be on casino mm-hmm. slot machine games maybe but it ranges from there's so much bootleg stuff out there too because people can just put the happy days logo on anything so right you know, mm-hmm. heads up to the happy days cast if you're listening oh yeah i mean you can mer- put your picture on anything <laughs> the merchandising is amazing I, I have a little on one of my shelves in my house i have what i was what my daughter calls my fonzie shrine because i've got I've got a Fonzie puzzle. I've got a Dynamite magazine with him on a cover, a mug, right. some trading cards, and I even have a set of Viewmaster slides from the episode The oh. Not Making of a President. Oh, I love that. Those, I, I had to get those Viewmaster slides. I went totally crazy a couple of years ago, and I got the Fonzie Garage from Mego. Oh, that's cool. And um, that thing was so traumatic to put together. I felt so bad for parents of the 70s like trying to get this put together for their kids by Christmas morning because it took me days and you know how Fonzie cried at the bedside of Richie and yeah. she almost dies I cried while putting together the uh, Fonzie garage because it would just not fit together 
And I had to do that thing where you heat up the plastic to to make it go together. Oh, jeez. Oh, I had to go to the freaking hardware store to get parts for it. <laughs> I had to talk to hardware people. Uh, you know, I'm trying to make a, a Fonzie garage. Um, it's like this toy from the 70s. And, um, you know, and you know, I'm talking to Gus, the hardware store guy, and yeah. he's just giving me this look. So I actually did get it put together. Oh, my God. I'm never moving from this apartment because I'm not moving that Fonzie garage. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I wanted to ask you guys about, you know, the later seasons of Happy Days. And I remember as a kid noticing this, too. The the hair they kind of dropped the whole fifties and sixties look oh, for yeah. the most part. Like the hair was eighties hair. Yeah. yeah and the sure. Arnold's the interior of Arnold's was this sort Ugh. of Western saloon theme. I mean, what yes. happened there? Why flipping, did that happen? Flipping his crop tops. Flipping his extremely anachronistic yeah. crop tops. And, uh, on you know, um when they recently aired uh I think it was Fonzie Spots, it might have been Fonzie Spots. Uh, Roger is wearing uh, lycra spandex shorts, like jogging shorts. You right. know, he's wearing like exercise mm -hmm. gear. And so many people online were commenting on that uh, when it aired on UTV. I think it was this. I just think it was the fatigue of trying to make a mm -hmm. historically accurate show. And you just like, oh, oh to hell with it. Can't it just be the 80s? You know, it's 1982 right. and 83, 84. Can we just stop pretending that the show takes place in the past? We have to make everything like that. And then they're like, "Ah, oh, fine, go ahead. The show's getting canceled anyway. Let's just just yeah. write it however you want." And I think that happens to every show that has like a gimmick. Um, you know, like you, do you know the show American Dad? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think American Dad is still really a funny show. And uh, uh, but you know, for the first couple of seasons, they try to make it that uh, Roger could only stay in the house, and Roger couldn't be seen by anybody, or you know, whatever. And they had to keep Roger a secret. And then eventually, at some point, they just said, "Oh, to hell with it." He just gets dressed up in a costume and he goes out all the time. Like right. Roger almost never stays in the house anymore because <laughs> they just—it just got to be exhausting. You know, like yeah. how many excuses can you have to keep this alien in the house all the time? And, and I think if Alf had had gone on another season they would have just said oh heck with it Alf can just go out maybe I, I mean he, right. he was a he, he was a very difficult puppet to use to the point where it like making the show was traumatic for all the human cast members because they kept having to do take after take after take to get it right because of the puppet well, yeah but this they could just put the they could just put the the human actor into the suit and just have him go out or Good something point. you know they could just just give up on the, the pretense of it. So, yeah, you know, after a while, you know, you just, the, the gimmicks get to just be too much and you, you just can't write to that anymore. And so you just say, out oh, of hell with it and just write it as, it, as it's the 80s. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, I just wanted to briefly jump back real quick to the music thing because I, I forgot to mention, you know, I love the Happy Days theme, but I really oh, yeah. liked it better when that was the end theme and the opening right. theme was Rock Around the Clock. Mm -hmm. You know, because that yeah. really gave it a 50s vibe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it fits those first couple of seasons so well because that's when the show was filmed single camera, more like a movie. Right. And uh, it really looked more like American Graffiti. And, you know, having that song on the soundtrack was great. But, and, and that song was a hit again because of Happy Days. So, you know, that's true, I don't know yeah. why they, I don't know why they changed it, but maybe they thought... You know, the Happy Days theme could also be a hit if they put it in front, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, if they put it in front of the show and um, maybe they didn't want to pay Bill Haley anymore. I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, 
some of these one of these days i'm going to look into the final years of bill haley because i like he had a crazy last few years of his life you know where he kind of lost his mind and he i don't know i i just had this whole picture of 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 uh bill haley's tragic downfall in the last few years of his life and maybe like the happy days theme was like the one of the last big highlights of his life was having this hit from from happy days so, right yeah i miss it but um you know that was you know you have to have the pop song at the top of the show that's mm-hmm. true yeah so you know happy days obviously is such an iconic show such a huge part of our pop culture do you guys think that it still holds up today yeah, I would say mostly it, it it holds up pretty well because I think the show is made pretty well. It doesn't look like thank God they didn't shoot it on videotape. They shot it all on film. Even right. once they switched to three cameras, like the sets and the costumes always look good to me. They don't try to do topical humor. The one example where they did try to do topical jokes that we've talked about was the infamous lifesavers joke. Peter will know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. The lifesavers. Yeah. Know. They re- they referenced a uh, they referenced a then current lifesavers ad campaign, right? And it gets like the hugest laugh. It gets a ten second laugh from the audience. They go nuts. But mostly, no. Uh, they they don't try to do. I mean, the, sh- the whole point of the show is to be a distraction from you know the seventies. It's supposed to be you know stop thinking about Watergate and Vietnam and stuff like that and the gas crisis and gay rights. for half an hour. Yeah, stop thinking about everything basically. Right. And cocaine. Don't, don't think about anything for the half hour. Just you know, Richie is going to the spring fling or yeah. something with Bessie Lou. Yeah. I will say that that if you like sitcoms with all their artificiality and awkwardness and complete divorce from re- and complete lack of anything resembling actual reality you'll like happy days absolutely yeah, i agree yeah go ahead you're gonna say joe no it's just it's just a, a half hour of uh happy people and their silly problems generally sometimes they have serious problems but generally it's very trivial what happens to them and the show takes place in a, a, you know, you know, a soundstage wonderland, you know, where, you know, all your problems are solved in a half hour. And it's very nice to escape to this uh, fake world of happy days for a half an hour at a time. For right. me, it is, at least. And, oh, absolutely. And, you know, I was so happy to, re- no pun intended, I was so happy to rewatch it because I, there were so many moments where I laughed out loud that oh, yeah. I'm like, wow, this show is still amazing. I loved it, you know? Yeah. One thing I was, I guess I was also glad about was that um i think a a show in order to succeed you know people somebody making it has to love it somebody who makes the show somebody behind the scenes has to also love the show and want it to be good and care about whether or not it's good or bad because if you're indifferent to your show that will you know you'll create an indifferent product but uh i think on happy days there was some kind of quality control. I think they actually did care about trying to make it as good as they could possibly make it. And um, yeah, I think that that shows in the final product. So how would you guys recommend that a younger audience tr- go about to try and see the show? Well, right now, Pluto TV, if you want to stream it, if your parents have cable still, you can get it on MeTV. Right. But you can go to uh, Pluto.tv and you can watch it there. You know what also... Maybe Happy Days is sometimes better in clip form and uh, like uh, highlights and stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
there is no shortage of that stuff being posted to YouTube. You know, there's like right, a, right. Know, best of Fonzie or whatever. You can find hours and hours of that stuff. And uh, also, uh, listen to our podcast every week and uh, download it and share it on uh, every social media platform you can think of. And we tell you what happens in every single episode, so you don't even need to watch the show. Uh, <laughs> we'll tell you all that happens in every single show, and we'll explain all the jokes, and uh, you can act like uh, you watched it, even if you didn't. So that's, that's how awesome. I would recommend. Peter, what, did you th- what do you think? Yeah, I, I think you're right. You probably don't need to watch every episode of Happy Days. Don't 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 do what we did. We're we're not well, but, but you can watch some of them. Pick and choose. You can definitely graze through Happy Days. You can definitely a little here, a little bit there. You don't need to watch every episode. It's not That's serialized. True. It's not like you're going to miss something. Right, right. So, do you guys think? Have you even contemplated the the concept that if you once you get through all 255 episodes, maybe you'll turn around and then do like some of the spinoffs, like Laverne and Shirley or Mark and Mindy? There's already a very excellent Laverne and Shirley podcast out there, uh, Night After Night, which uh, okay, so- they do it up, man. They 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 do an they do an excellent show on Laverne and Shirley, and yeah, I think after this, uh, we're probably going to be dead i think this will take us for the rest of our lives to get to the other episodes so who knows if the world will even exist by then yes (laughs) well guys it was so awesome talking to you about happy days and uh you know getting the folks out there to maybe watch it in in some form or another and and can you just give us your uh, your online information so people can find you uh you can follow me on twitter at joe underscore a underscore blevins uh, you can find the podcast at these days are ours dot and you can follow me on twitter at peter Vol- peter volfranc that's p-e-t-e-r-v-u-l-f-r-a-n-c and you can follow the podcast i think at uh, fonzie podcast uh on twitter and definitely follow that uh twitter account because we have all kinds of crazy happy days related stuff a lot of which we don't even get to on the podcast uh, that comes up on the twitter account so you really want to know your happy days follow fonzie podcast and you'll find all all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff well that's awesome thank you guys so much for being on the show i had such great fun and uh, maybe we'll have you guys back again in the future to talk about other cool stuff great awesome thank you thank you this was a blast Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Then Is Now podcast. And we hope that you learned about a major part of our country's pop culture and you check out some episodes of Happy Days. Also, check out Joe and Peter's podcast, These Days Are Ours. If you want to send us your thoughts on this or any other Then Is Now episode, please email us at thenisnow42 at gmail.com. You can also join in on the conversation at our Facebook Then Is Now podcast group, so spread the word. Then Is Now podcast is now a proud member of the Dorkening Podcast Network, so please go to thedorkening.com to check out all the other great shows there. Visit our website at havenpodcasts.com, where you'll find all kinds of fun stuff, including our sister show, The East Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers films and spaghetti westerns. Then Is Now podcast is on YouTube now, so please visit our YouTube page at youtube.com slash user slash UncleDeath1 and hit the subscribe button. And please share that link with your friends to get them to subscribe as well. 
Then Is Now podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the podcasting apps. So if you enjoyed this episode, please go to wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so others can find the show. We hope you had fun learning about this fantastic sitcom, Happy Days. Class dismissed. For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com. educational and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media. One, two, three, four! Honeycomb, honeycomb. Well, it's a darn good life and it's kind of funny how the dude was made and the bee made honey and the honeybee looking for a home. Made a honeycomb. Well, they do comb the world and they gathered all of the honeycomb. One sweet ball in the honeycomb from a million tricks. Be my baby's lips where honeycomb wants to be my baby where honeycomb be my own. Got a hank of hair and a piece of bone made a walking, talking honeycomb where honeycomb wants to be my baby where honeycomb be my own. Some of the smartest people I know have high school diplomas. <laughs>